thankful again for the good singing this morning. Thankful for the good spirit that we can feel. Thankful that um, I hope it's a long time yet to come because I'd like to live as long as I can. Uh, but there's going to come a day when I'll hear that call from heaven's portal. Come home. Uh, the last mile has been walked and trod. The world wouldn't understand this. Some of you here this morning might not understand it. And I, because it's sort of a, uh, an odd thing to, to say uh, from a human standpoint, I want to live as long as I can. Uh, that's, that's the life that God gives us. And we ought, to, we ought to want to live for Him each day on this earth. But here's what's hard to understand. And, and if you're here today and you're lost, you will not understand it. At the same time, I hope it's a long time yet. Can I say I'm looking forward to that day? When I hear that call, when I'll go to sleep here, can you think of anything more peaceful than just falling asleep here and waking up day? And what I've preached about all these years, seated on His throne in all of His glory. That's a real place. That's where I'm going one day because of the blood. Is there something on your heart this morning, a word in any way? I do desire a great interest in your prayers. Um, I've asked, I'd ask you to turn to the book of Zechariah, almost at the end of the Old Testament. Chapter number 12, the book of Zechariah. Thankful for a good week of, of thanksgiving. I hope we still have that spirit of thanksgiving about us. Uh, we've got so much this morning to be thankful for. Most of all, if you're here and been saved by the grace of God, as Sister Carol said a while ago, you have a testimony. That testimony helps you to overcome that wicked one. That's what the... Uh, gospel says in the book of Revelation, they overcame him by the word, of, uh, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. So it's important today. It's important enough that we've seen people give it down through the years, and that's uh, that's a mark that you've been born again. You have you have something to say regarding what the Lord has done for you. It's so very important that you make that known. Lots of people, I'm afraid, keep that in and to themselves and. I know a guy, he's, he's passed now, but he got saved and he didn't tell anybody for a long time. And he said, I always felt that like that was something personal between me and God. And it is, and I understand that. Uh, but, uh, but he said the joy really came when he was able to share that with somebody else. And so today, that's, that's the joy in salvation. He's been able to experience it and then been able to tell it. The Bible declares that under the, uh, with the heart, man believeth in the righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made. And the salvation. So it's something we should confess. Um, anything on your heart before we do a few uh, verses of reading here? Zechariah chapter number 12. Um, I, I really desire your prayers. I was joking with some of the brethren earlier. And, uh, and I said, I guess I've got the green light to preach as long as I want. And I said, I really don't have much to talk about today. Uh, and they said, uh-oh. But I, I'm serious. One of these days I'm going to wrap it up pretty short. Uh, Zechariah chapter number 12 starting with verse number 10. And it says, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications. 
And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. And shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. In that day there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem. As the morning of Hadarimon in the valley of Megadon. And the land shall mourn every family apart, the family of the house of David apart, and their wives apart, and the family of the house of Nathan apart, and their wives apart, the family of the house of Levi apart, and their wives apart, the family of uh, Shemai apart, and their wives apart, and all the families that remain, every family apart, and their wives apart. In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, for sin and for uncleanness. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land, and they shall no more be remembered. And also I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. And it shall come to pass that when any shall yet prophesy, then his father and his mother that beget him shall say unto him, Thou shalt not live, for thou speakest lies in the name of the Lord. And his father and his mother that begat him shall thrust him through when he prophesieth. And it shall come to pass in that day that the prophets shall be ashamed every one of his vision when he hath prophesied, neither shall they wear a rough garment to deceive. But he shall say, I am no prophet, I am an husbandman, for man, uh, for man taught me to keep cattle from my youth. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer those with which were with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn my hand upon the little ones. And I'm going to stop in the reading right there. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't being facetious or lying. I really don't have much on my heart, but, but this week it seems my thoughts have been on the first verse in chapter number 13. Now in this prophecy of Zechariah, a, a lot of the book, the first six or eight chapters, uh, at least for me, it's, it's hard to understand. It's all visions and, and things that I don't fully understand. Uh, but if you'll notice in, in, in chapters 12 and 13, a great many times Zechariah says, In that day. And so uh, Zechariah was given many visions uh, from God, and and uh, and many visions that uh, that quite honestly, uh, if the only book of the Bible you had was Zechariah, uh, then if you if you uh, read that book, uh, you should understand that the Lord Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all of these prophecies. If that was the only light that the person had. Uh, that, that was the book of Zechariah, uh, you could understand when Jesus Christ came on the scene uh, that it was surely that one that Zechariah had talked about. For he had uh, many visions and, and he saw the Lord uh, even uh, riding into Jerusalem the, uh, in his prophecies uh, a little earlier on in these, uh, these chapters. He talks about how that he'll ride into Jerusalem upon an ass and upon the pole of an ass. In other words, that there was really no reason, especially those who studied the law, like those scribes and Pharisees, there were really nothing that should have ever made them doubt that Jesus Christ 
was the Messiah that the prophecy had well spoke of for thousands of years. But, but we do have other light besides Zechariah. They had the entire Old Testament of God. They, they had the prophecies of Moses who said, God shall raise up somebody like unto me, and that prophet shall you hear. And they had the writings of Isaiah that behold a virgin shall conceive and give birth. They, they had the prophecies of Isaiah when he said that man shall come and of his kingdom there shall be no end. He shall have the government upon his shoulders. They had the prophecies of Isaiah when he saw the Lord as he was being slain and crucified. They had the prophecies of Isaiah that talked about a man of sin or a man of sorrow that would take sin upon his own body and in his own nature and there be numbered with the transgressors and bring many unto righteousness by taking their sins upon himself. Yes, they had prophecies all the way through the Old Testament. And so when that little, that little baby was born in Bethlehem of Judea 2,000 years ago, every sign had pointed that this was indeed the one that should take, take away the sin of the world. That's why I'm telling the Baptist and laid his eyes upon our Lord as he was uh, about 30 years of age and walking by the Jordan River. And John the Baptist laid his eyes upon Jesus. And he said, Behold, uh, the Lamb of God uh, that taketh away the sin of the world. And uh, John says later on in the book of Revelation, uh, he says, Behold, uh, him that had been slain. In other words, you need to look. Uh, uh, John is saying that. Uh, just behold. Uh, saying, and that's what I want to understand today. I want to talk to you about that day that Zechariah had long prophesied of. For over and over and over, he says, in that day. But I'm glad that we can see the fulfillment. I see that one day, I believe at least as far as my feeble little mind, I can comprehend the great mysteries of the doctrines of the Gospel of our Lord and Savior. I believe that day has spanned 2,000 years. I believe that day started when Mary gave birth unto Jesus Christ. I believe that day the prophecy has started to be fulfilled. I believe that was the daybreak when He was born into this world. For in order for a man to die, He has to first be born. And so I believe that day started. I believe that day will end with the coming again of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so, and so as far as, as today goes and this prophecy is concerned, I think He sees it all as one day. And so if we look at it from that point of view, I want to declare unto you that this day will soon come to an end. I want to declare unto you that if there was a starting point to the day, there will have to be a day. There will have to be a time, rather, when it's all over with and when it's all finished. We looked at John in the book of Revelation. How he talked about things, the visions that he saw, which no man had ever seen. And nobody had ever seen it before. And I'm persuaded nobody's ever seen it since. But John was instructed to write a book and to send that book to the seven churches of Asia. And in that book he begins to write, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And the beginning and the end, saith the Lord. Then he said, the Almighty. 
that's also important. Uh, there can only be by definition one that is almighty. There cannot be more than one. If there was more than one, then neither would be almighty. How but that one that said the almighty is the same one how that said I am the Alpha and the Omega. It all started with Him, folks. And the Bible says that everything that's ever been made, both visible and invisible, all the creation of the world that you see before you, everything that your hands have ever touched, everything that your eyes have ever laid sight on, and even the unseen things like principalities and powers, nothing was made without Him. He's the maker and the giver of life. Now that's why it's so important to understand who is doing the speaking in this prophecy of Zechariah. If you go back and read, it's the Almighty that's doing the speaking. He's speaking to Zechariah. And he said there, the land shall mourn every family apart. It said there that there'll be bitterness. It said, I will pour out upon the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace. And they shall look upon me. I want you to let that settle in. They shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And now looking ahead to the cross, that's what he was talking about. He said it's me, that I'm the one. In other words, that the Creator of everything is the very one that's going to be pierced. Isn't that a thing to behold? It said they shall look upon Him. I want you to understand, you have the blessed opportunity to be living in this day. What do you mean by that, preacher? I mean you have the opportunity to be living in a day and that according to chapter 13 and verse 1, you are living in a day that the fountain has been opened. Think about that. For thousands of years that prophecy just sat there. There was one that would come. Now that day hadn't started yet. The day has started now. It started when He was born. And my friend, it started when He was crucified. And when they pierced Him. The Bible says in the Gospel of John that as they, as the day was dragging on, and the day of the crucifixion, and the day was dragging on, and the holy day and the Sabbath was about to begin. And so the Bible says, there were, and history says it was the custom of Romans to go out and break the legs of those hanging on the cross. And they did that so they would speed up their death for the way that they could breathe upon the cross. And the only way they could breathe air in, but the only way to expel the air back out is to put all your weight on that nail that drove through your feet. And you begin to stand and you can sort of exhale that out. But when they broke the legs, they couldn't do that any longer. And so they took a bar of iron probably and went out and just as callous as you can imagine began to break the legs with blow after blow upon those hanging on the cross. The cross was reserved for the worst of the worst. And not every criminal that was executed was executed by way of the cross. It was a horrible thing. But there they were. And so he went and broke the legs of the first. And then the Bible says he went and broke the legs of the other one. But when he came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, 
There was no need to break his legs. You can picture our Lord there with his head as just as it was when he expired. For the Bible said, he said it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. And so he was expired already. You need to understand that Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, died on the cross of Calvary. If He didn't die, then our whole Gospel is in vain. He had to die. And we were talking in Sunday school this morning about that blessed day in the history of the tribe of Israel. That blessed day in the land of Egypt when the blood was applied. I really listened to a song this morning and I agree with it 100%. I understand you're living in a day where the culture doesn't dictate a blood-bought way, but it takes the blood today or you'll never be saved. He had to die. And so in the olden days in Egypt land, it was the blood. The Bible said, Brother Joe read it. The last verse he read was that that blood will be a token upon your house. And he said, then when I pass through, I will see the blood and I'll pass over you. That's what the Passover was all about. But it said the blood would be a token. That word token, if you get to looking that up in Hebrew, it means it's a banner. It means it's a big banner waving around showing that you're blood-bought and that you're safe and secure. I'm glad today I've got that banner of blood. I'm glad today to live in a day when the fountain has been opened. But John's Gospel tells us that there was no need to break the legs of Jesus. He just bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. And so the Roman soldier had no idea. As a matter of fact, I don't think any of them had any idea the prophecies that they were fulfilling. And when they, as a matter of fact, I know they didn't. Because the Apostle Paul said, had they known that, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But they were fulfilling the ancient prophecies. And they were fulfilling that. And so there was a Roman soldier there. He couldn't break his legs. But for some reason, it came upon his mind, probably for cruelty, to pierce the side of our Lord. And so the Bible says he took a spear and pierced his side. And when he pierced his side, out came blood and water. That's an important thing. Why is that important? That was the fountain that was opened. That was the day that Zechariah said, in that day a fountain shall be opened. And my friend, when the blood, and the Bible says in the epistles of John, He came not by water only, but by water and blood. And those agree in heaven. And the witness agrees. And so He came by water and by blood. And the blood will cleanse you of your sins. And the water will wash. Figuratively speaking anyways, the water will wash them away. Formally. But it's the blood that does the real cleansing. But you're living in a day when the fountain has been opened. I've heard it said that men are sinning away the day of grace. And I believe that to be true today. You've been allowed to live in a time 
that the gospel has been freely preached, that you can be saved. Now you realize there's coming a day, uh, the, uh, uh, the book of Acts says, which God will judge the world by that man whom He hath ordained. That is Jesus Christ. And so we realize that we were talking again in Sunday school about the law, about those commandments that you see hanging up to my left. And we realize that those commandments, the only thing they can do is tell us that we're sinners. And so God uses that holy law for the commandments are good and holy and just, but we can't keep them. And so there's no grace in it. But Paul said it's our schoolmaster had to point us to Jesus Christ. And so I can declare to you by the authority of not only He who wrote the Gospel, but on the authority of Him that is the Gospel, that is the living Word, He declares every man, woman, boy, and girl a sinner. No exceptions. It's been talked about in our past Sunday schools and Wednesday nights. Some people think that John the Baptist the Bible said the Holy Ghost did come upon him in the womb. Some have taken that to mean that John the Baptist was saved from eternity past in the womb, rather. I don't believe that. I believe that John had to be born again. I believe that if you made an exception for John, that there would be somebody in the day of judgment that says, what about him? You see, it had to be presented, but John had to believe and repent. And so you've heard the Gospel, some of you, many times over. Brother Danny read in Sunday school this morning before we, before we dismissed the class about a man in a parable, about men rather in the parable, how one had built his house upon a rock and it had a solid foundation. And the winds came and the floods came and it beat upon that house and it could not shake it for it was founded upon a rock. But he said there was another man who built his house upon the sand. And the waters came and the floods came and the wind came. That tells me that the waters of affliction will come to every home and every soul. But it says those who heard and did not the sayings of the Lord perish. And so many of you have heard this Gospel. Maybe God has even awakened your conscience for a time now that you might receive the Gospel. First of all, you have to decide, is that book that you have in your hand, is that the eternal authority? Is it truly the Word of God? Now you have to declare that. He never goes about to try and prove it. He just says in the beginning, God. And you either believe it or you don't. Uh, but my friend, you have to determine. So if that is, if that is, and I believe it is the Word of God that He's left for man, then we also must believe what it says. And if we believe what it says, uh, we believe that there is a day coming, uh, that this day will come to a close. Uh, we are living, I believe, in the sunset of time. 
I believe the sun is beginning to sink low. Now, you know, when we were coming to church the other night, and uh, and when we left Hawkinsville, the sun was shining, and by the time we got to Hermitage Springs, it was so dark you had to have your lights on. And Michelle said, boy, when darkness falls, it comes fast. That'll preach. That'll preach. We're living, I believe, in the sunset of time. And so when it begins to get dark, and the day will swiftly come to an end. And you see that day in the book of Zechariah. It said, They shall look upon Him and look upon Me whom they pierced. And we see in the book of Revelation, and behold, John says again, look. That's what that word behold means. It means to take your eyes off of things of this life. I understand you got big plans. I understand your mind is everywhere right now. What you're going to eat, what school's going to be like, what work's going to be like next week, at a Christmas thing. And John's saying, Behold, forget all of that and behold this vision. And in that vision, he said, Behold, the Son of Man cometh in the clouds. He said, Behold, and the Son of Man cometh, and every eye shall see him. See, when he comes, I don't believe it'll be in secret. I believe He'll come. I believe there's an old song called the Midnight Cry. You can read about going back to the Passover and I realize I'm scattered this morning. That's alright. But you can go back to that Passover and it says about midnight a cry was made. And it said they were in the midst of a darkness. Not just any darkness. But it said it was a darkness that can be felt. And in that day, in the midnight hour, it said a cry that went through the land of Egypt. He said there was never a cry before it. And never one since then. But a cry went through. I thought about a parable that Jesus spoke one time. And He said, Behold, at midnight the bridegroom cometh. In other words, that day that you live in right now, the day where the fountain is open, to the day where salvation will fall and come to any man, woman, or child that repents and believes and asks to be saved, He cannot and will not deny you that. He cannot and He will not. And do you think He shed His blood just so that one could come to Him and Him turn them away? That's not a God that I serve. But the God that I serve... He bestows salvation. He bestows it. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. And there's nothing you can do as to come to Him as a sinner with nothing to offer. My favorite Christmas song, and people laugh at me, but it's the little drummer boy. I can relate to that little boy. And when he says, I have nothing of value as to lay before the King, I have nothing to offer Him. And so it's at that point that He graciously gives salvation is a gift. It is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And but God will not give you that gift except you ask Him. Ask and you shall receive. Repent when they said, what must we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And so if that book is true, then the day that the fountain is open, 
that fountain one day will be closed. At the end of the day, when John says, Behold, every eye shall see Him. Those in heaven, those in hell, those on the earth, every eye will behold that King of kings and that Lord of lords. And so then, if this Bible is the truth, comes the judgment. And my friends, you are living in a day when the fountain has been burst open wide. It was burst open at the cross at Calvary. And my friend, when they pierced His hands and His feet, and then they pierced His side, and He said, it's finished now. In Revelation, He used the word done, but He said, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And John saw a vision. He said, the Son of Man sat on His cloud, or in the clouds, and a sickle was given unto Him, and He said unto the Son of Man, that the time is right, and the harvest is right, go and gather my people, for time will be no more. In other words, this day that the fountain is opened will one day close. And once that fountain is closed, and once your life is over, and that fountain has been stopped up, and there will be no more messages. One day, some man of God over the globe, I don't know where he'll be, but someday, some earthly man will preach unto some people at the very last sermon that this world will ever hear from the mouth of man. And then it's over. The Gospel has now went out. The fountain has been opened. You understand how serious this is today? You understand that in order to save your soul and grant you eternal life, that somebody had to die? I think when way back in the Garden of Gethsemane, or way back in the Garden of Eden rather, I think back at what it must have been like when Adam had sinned and Eve had sinned. Think back what it must have been like. They had never seen death. Death had never passed upon this earth. Never. And then all of a sudden, now they're required to take their hand and put it gently under a little lamb's neck and begin to drain the blood. And as that warm blood flowed from that cold dead body, they understood that there had to be a death. I think it was meant to be gruesome. I think it was meant that when they looked at it and they saw the blood, they knew that life was leaving that little land. And it was all pictured until the day when the fountain would be opened. And so today, Jesus says, and this the prophecy says in Isaiah, Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. It was foretold and in Moses' day and Jesus told Nicodemus about it that when Moses lifted up a serpent of brass in the wilderness, every man had to look to it to be healed. And so today we look to the cross. We look to that behold, the Lamb of God. And we realize today the fountain is open. My friend, I cannot stress enough to you there's coming a day that fountain shall be stopped. That fountain will be closed, at least on earth. We're going to enjoy, the Bible said Moses took the blood and he began to sprinkle it upon the book 
and upon the tabernacle, and upon the people. And so you're living in a day when the fountain has been opened, and the blood of Jesus Christ has passed by faith, and to whosoever believes. But my friend, have you? See, God makes that personal. Do you have a personal experience? Has that blood ever at one time landed on your soul? Now remember, that blood's a token. That blood's a token. And so it's by faith you grasp it. It's by faith and repentance. That's what the Bible says, repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. But if this day ends with you unrepentant and in unbelief, you're going to be cast out, the Bible says, into outer darkness. John said in that book of Revelation, every eye shall see Him. And then He says, the whole earth shall weep and wail because of Him. In other words, the unrepentant in that day will cast their eyes upon that crucified, resurrected Son of God. And while the saints of God rejoice because the King is surely coming and every saint of God wants Him to be crowned Lord of glory and the kingdoms of this world. Now the kingdoms of our Lord is Christ and He reigns today. And every child of God rejoices for that day. But the unrepentant and unsaved, the lost if you will, and the Bible says they will weep and they will wail and they will cast their eyes upon Him and they'll wail. Why? Why are they wailing? Because the fountain stopped. Because the day's over and they're not saved. They'll wail. You've never heard the Bible describes of a time in Israel Rachel weeping for her children and they were not. The Bible describes in the land of Egypt that at midnight that cry rang out. And the Bible declares in the Gospel and in the book of Revelation that in that day every man will wail because of Him. And the last words He ever spoke in the recorded Gospel the last inspired words that this one that sits on the throne ever said. You know what they are? Look it up. Three words. Behold, I, four words. Behold, I come quickly. Quickly. This day is 2,000 years long. We're living in a sunset. I can hear it. There's an old song that says, I can almost hear them gathering and see them gathering. I'm telling you, it won't be long. You might say it'll be a long time. A long time to God's not very long. You see, our time is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. There's coming a day when the sun will sink. The fountain will be stopped. Today it's over. Today you can be saved. Creature, I've called upon Him. Cry out to Him again. In faith. Believing. Believing. Not in unbelief, but in believing. He wants to save you today. It pleases the Lord and gives Him honor and glory to save a lost sinner. I pray that God's been dealing with somebody's heart this week. I have nothing else to say. I thought, Lord, if, if this would be the last time I ever preach, if you call me home, what more of a glorious thing to preach than the blood of your Son cleansing repentant sinners. What a thing that is. He had to die. For the fountain to be opened. It's open now. It'll soon be closed. Where will you be? Today, while you have a chance. Today, the Bible declares now is the day of salvation. It said, Behold, harden not your hearts like they did in the day of provocation.
but repent now. Now, some of you and some of us church get your song together. But some of us act like uh, at least by our actions uh, we're not concerned, uh, that we're not worried, uh, that we don't believe this place is going to end. I'm telling you, church, wake up. They're going to die unless we don't. Unless we wake up. And then sinners, you're going to die lost. Jesus said, you will die in your sins. That's an awful thing to think about. You don't have to die in your sins. A way's been made for you to be saved. Would you come today if He's dealing with you? Come with a song. Brother. Number 105. 105.